Welcome to Camp Nightmare. I mean, welcome to the Geek-Centric Podcast. And welcome to our spoiler-free review for the first five episodes of the brand new Disney Plus and Hulu series, Goosebumps. Listener beware, you're in for a scare. My name is Kev, and like series mascot Slappy, I'll be your host that puts the dummy in ventriloquist dummy. If you're joining us for the first time, well, we are Geek-Centric, a podcast focusing on the world of movies, TV shows, games, toys, and collectibles, and all things Geek-Centric. Joining me for the scares today, first, every day is his hairiest adventure, because with a beard like that, he's gotta be living in werewolf skin. <laughs> it's our resident lycanthrope, Nate. Carly Beth, Carly Beth, I'm scared, Carly Beth. Let's leave, Carly Beth. I don't want to be here anymore, Carly oh, Beth. Unfortunately, folks, we are just not talking about that <laughs> Goosebumps series. <laughs> <laughs> and also joining us, some days I wish my best friend was invisible, because if you ever see him with a camera, don't say cheese and die. It's the beast from the east, J-Law. Yo, <laughs> what's going on? How you wish he was invisible? I don't, you know, <laughs> I'm trying to get as many book titles in here as possible. <laughs> I appreciate it. Uh, how we doing today, gentlemen? It. Good. Doing Feeling well. spooky. Nice. Now, today we're calling all creeps. If you ever attended a scholastic book fair while in elementary school, you are more than likely very <laughs> aware of the book series Goosebumps and its author, R.L. Stein. If not, well, you're in deep trouble. If you've been looking forward to revisiting your childhood haunts, we're here today to let you know if the show was worth the wait or if you should be careful what you wish for. We want to chomp our fangs and clap our monster paws to give a special thanks, as always, to our friends at Disney Studios Canada for letting us watch this series early for review. Before we get talking about a series based on one of the most successful children's writers of all time, it's important that we take a moment to celebrate the fact that our favorite Hollywood writers have resolved their issues, won big, and ended the WGA strike. But there's still much work to be done as it relates to the Screen Actors Guild and the American Federation of Television and Radio Artists. We here at Geekcentric believe the members of SAG-AFTRA deserve not only fair compensation for their work, but also a sense of job security that is currently under threat. Hopefully the bigwigs of Hollywood come to their senses soon and let all of the talented people responsible for our favorite forms of entertainment get back to work sooner rather than later. Now, a little history on the Goosebumps franchise. Goosebumps started as a series of children's horror fiction novellas written by R.L. Stein. 62 books were published from 1992 to 1997, with over 400 million copies sold globally in 35 languages as of October 2022 making it the second best-selling book series of all time next to Harry Potter. A huge part of this success was in part to a uh, partnership with Scholastic Book Fairs, with Goosebumps sales accounting for 15% of their annual revenue in 1996. That success, of course, led to a variety of spin-off media projects, including a TV anthology series that ran for four seasons from 1995 to 98, bringing most of the popular stories to life on the screen. Video games and comics soon followed, and in 2015, the first of two movies featuring Jack Black as author R.L. Stein was released, followed by a sequel in 2018. The first movie even features a fun cameo by the author himself, playing a teacher named Mr. Black. Now, growing up, were you fellow bumpies? You know, I oh a bumpy. I don't know. I, love there, that. I can't believe. It. Um, Even though there's a popular, you know, there was a fan club that ran from '94 to '98. Um, you know, and yeah. like everything has a. a you know, fan name. There wasn't one for Goosebumps that I could find, so I'm going with Bumpies. I like Bumpies. I'm, uh, you know what? I here's the thing. So, like, you mentioned the Scholastic Book Fair, and 
Yeah, dude. I, I, uh, I, you know, I loved seeing those books. I think I was a little too afraid when a lot of them came out. Uh, you know, I was, uh, I'm, I'm, a, I'm born in the nineties. I was born in 1990. So for me, you know, a lot, some of these books were a bit older at the time, but about maybe like six or seven years. Um, the only book I remember reading that I think was about six years old when it, when I read it, uh, was, uh, piano lessons can be murder. Yes. Uh, it came out in 93. And so, yeah, so I think I read it a, a little bit after that, but I was taking piano lessons myself. So like, that really hit that's a that's a, it's pretty freaky apparently like the teacher if i can remember properly like i think like kills the students or steals their hands or something <laughs> something like that something awful which is just like i remember at the time being a little kid and being like how the heck am i allowed to read this right now i don't know i don't know i mean a lot of those books are uh you know spooky and i remember i was reading them right as they were coming out so we're talking seven eight years old you know they were some of the first books you know full size with chapters that i can remember reading and you know, much like the show we're going to talk about, and it's PG rating. It's like, geez, this 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 is some pretty spooky stuff for kiddos. Um, but again, we will get into yeah. that. Just how about yourself? Were you a bumpy at all growing up? Yeah, we grew up at around the same time, yeah. so naturally, I I definitely read uh, a lot of these books. Uh, you know, much of what we're going to talk about from these episodes harken back to those books, which is which is great. Uh, some of my favorites was uh, Welcome to Camp Nightmare. Excellent. Um, I loved The Headless Ghost. Uh, Haunted Mask, obviously one and two was was great. There was one with a superhero that I remember too, um, and a lot of these were were turned into uh, those the TV show back on Fox. Uh, yeah, some of them actually found their way. Uh, Return of the Mummy was great. Ghost Beach was another one that I really really loved as well. Um, and this was like at a time when. Like my imagination was popping off, uh, so sometimes I would scare myself a lot from from this. Uh, uh, but like me reading books was a very short lived uh, experience because I, I once I found graphic novels and comic books, I never turned back to books. And but yeah, it, it was uh, it was it was the book franchise that I actually enjoyed reading just just for leisure. Um, whereas everything else was just, you know, for school work, if you will. So well, I, I don't think I became a true bumpy myself until that Canadian produced. TV show hit the airwaves and I remember like just the scary I think the scariest image and I think this is probably the thing that the show is maybe known for in its intro is from the episode My Hairiest Adventure <laughs> um, so I'm happy you called that out Kevin like the golden retriever with glowing green eyes it's just it wrecked me as a kid and I'm so glad it didn't turn me off dogs forever but just something about the juxtaposition of such a kind looking dog like a golden retriever they're so beautiful and it just has these evil green eyes it just it affected me, dude. Like it's imprinted in my brain. That uh, that show and the the theme song at the beginning. It ran for years oh. and years. Up here in Canada, we would have watched it on uh, YTV. Uh, I think down in the states, yeah. it was uh, on one of the Fox channels for kids. Um, but yeah, definitely a staple of uh, most people in and around our ages, childhood. Uh, I I'm probably definitely the biggest bumpy of the three of us. I had all sixty two books. <laughs> Of that original series, um, I wow. love them. Some of my favorites, um, if anybody knows me and the fact that I'm a history buff and everything, um, and I love Egyptology, I loved The Curse of the Mummy's Tomb, which is book five, uh, and then book 23, I was so excited that there was a sequel, Return of the Mummy, um, not to be 
confused with Mummy Returns, starring Brendan Fraser. Um, another another <laughs> favorite of mine was Deep Trouble. Uh, even just the the cover of it with a giant shark, shark yeah, swimming yeah. up under the kids yeah. swimming. Uh, but my all time favorite um, was Book Twenty Seven: A Night in Terror Tower. Really cool story about these Ooh. kids on a tour of an old uh, castle who get transported back in time and confused for the young prince and princess, and they have to escape the executioner before it's too late. Um, and, you know, it, it, it was really fun going back and looking at some of these book titles and then going, oh, man, but it wasn't just the titles. It was the the images, the, the illustrations on those front covers that I was so excited to run down to a scholastic book fair and see what the newest story was going to be. Um, that, that, that cover for A Night of Terror Tower, it's got a hooded executioner holding a big double-sided axe coming down a spiral staircase. I'll <laughs> never forget it. Huge shout out to, uh, Tim Jacobus, who was the illustrator who created all of those incredible covers oh, wow. back in the day. Uh, absolutely loved them. But let's get to the bleeding heart of the matter and talk about the newest iteration of Goosebumps 4 TV. This time around, Goosebumps follows a group of five high schoolers as they embark on a shadowy and twisted journey to investigate the tragic passing three decades earlier of a teen named Harold Biddle, while also unearthing dark secrets from their parents' past. The show stars Justin Long, Rachel Harris, Rob Hubel, Zach Morris, no, not Mark Paul Gossler from Saved by the Bell, Ah. Issa uh, Briones, Miles McKenna, Anna Yee Puig, and Will Price, and is produced by Nicholas Stoller, Rob Letterman, and Hillary Winston. The show debuts on Disney Plus and Hulu on Friday, October 13th, with five episodes, Ooh. followed weekly, uh, followed by weekly releases for the following five episodes. What an absolutely perfect release date for a show like this. Disney... I wish you were doing mm -hmm. something like this for a movie you released in the middle of the summer called Haunted Mansion. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, but... Yeah, yeah. it's funny. My, my dad was actually just watching it uh, on Disney Plus because it just came out, and he's like, he's like, this is a great time to watch this movie. And I'm like, yeah, it would have been a good time to put it out. You're right. It really, really would have. Uh, but, you know, have no fear, families. If there's nothing to go see in the theaters for you guys to get your spook on together, there is a show coming right in the middle of October that I think will be perfect for families looking for some scares. Uh, so why don't we stay out of the basement and start with our thoughts on what worked for the show's first five episodes. Justin, lead us off here. Yeah, um, I think, you know, what we're talking about in relation to the books and the past series uh, that, that was in the early, I guess the early 90s, as you, as you were mentioning, um, you know, those were adaptations of the book. Um, what I love about this series or what I really admire about it is how they found ways to incorporate elements of those books into a larger story. Um, and I think that works really well because it's it's... You're not going to be able to do justice to any of those books in a half hour, even 40 minutes or an hour long episode. Um, so to take those elements, treat them as myth and lore, which they are uh, to to a lot of people who grew up with Goosebumps, uh, you know, and implement them in a new way. I think that's refreshing and it still harkens back to the things that we love about this this book franchise uh, as being you know sort of having the right amount of scares and and creepy crawly things and you know it just it it really does work and i i found myself really surprised at how much i uh, you know enjoyed it based on how they were implementing these these little elements throughout the episodes 
Yeah, it's 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 interesting because like <clears throat> I think you know I, as I said I enjoyed the the original show from the '90s uh, and I can definitely respect the legacy of R.L. Stein and I've never seen the the Jack Black movies so I was really interested to sort of see like get my first taste of sort of uh, what is what is this series in 2023 and I I, I can't say it it fully worked for me right off the bat but I think. Um, there is there is some fun to be had with this show. I, I I think by the end of the first episode, there was this this sort of gut feeling that I had where I was kind of just like, oh, I kind of wish that they sort of made this more of an anthology series, you know, similar to the show in the '90s of of, of sort of jumping from different uh, group of kids or what have you. Um, however, as the show goes on. Um, I found that it was actually really enjoyable because, as you're saying, Justin, it's a continuous plot, but with each episode focusing on a different team while still paying homage to the original series and the original stories, uh, I think it. I actually think it. It really was a a really smart move for them to move into a serialized series like this uh, and and introducing us to sort of each character through their own individual stories. And and I do think that sometimes they branch off a little bit, you know, a little too much into like sort of a, a side story, but it it's it's still fun enough that I didn't I didn't mind it too much. Uh, and I do love how each episode is named after one of the original books. I think that's really cool. Yeah, it's it's uh, it's that's I think my favorite aspect of the show as well is that, you know, I think it'd be a lot easier for an author, say, such as R.L. Stein to introduce you to new characters with every story. You get, you know, one or two chapters to learn who they are, what they're about, whereas this show gives you that time to really learn about them. And the characters are kind of fun in that they play against uh, some of the typical tropes and stereotypes that you get from these characters, the jock is a really kind, caring person and, uh, you know, and, and they sort of explore those ideas a little bit more. The the geeky the photography student actually has a bit of a dark side and, and yeah, I think you get a lot more time to explore those ideas based on the way this is a full narrative over 10 episodes rather than being that anthology series. And and I think, yeah, full episodes of some of these stories might not work the same way they worked in book form, but when you can take small elements and sprinkle them throughout a bigger story, a bigger mystery too, uh, which I'm enjoying, the sort of intrigue that's going on here, I think it really works well for the format. Yeah, I, I think to your point, they're playing with some of the stereotypical tropes and they're kind of flipping it on its head a little bit. And I think that has a lot to do with today's generation which i think works in favor for this show but also can work against the show at mm -hmm. times as as something that maybe didn't work for me in terms of how gen z it is um but that that said i i think that you know to your point it is refreshing to see some of these uh more or less stereotypical roles that you would see from high school students not the same in this this is a a different high school style uh this isn't the 90s high school uh where the jock is a dick and the photography kid is just some misunderstood artist uh there's there's a little bit of a, a play with how those characters uh sort of are represented in this show they're all very nice to each other oddly enough yeah, yeah. which is like they're you know that's kind of that's yeah, kind of no refreshing yeah, yeah um yeah i think it's it i will say it is uh leagues better than the national treasure series uh that we got from, from disney plus um i will say it's not th it's not that scary if families are listening to this and they're wondering if it's too scary i think it's it's just the right amount of creepy vibe to fit the season um as you were saying kevin what a great release for october um the show's color tone like the way it looks visually like it's you know the greens and the blue tones i think look 
fantastic in, in terms of just like they fit the vibe. Uh, and thankfully, visually, it doesn't fall into that trap that a lot of sort of uh, spooky horror content falls in where it's not too visibly dark. You know how like a lot of the times you got to turn the brightness up on your TV with a lot of these shows. This one, I, I, I didn't find myself having that happen at any point in time. Uh, and then the oh, other thing good. I wanted to mention. Yeah, there you go. Your OLED, the your I, OLED did its trick. It, it actually its worked for you. Yes, the thousands I have an of dollars OLED that TV, and it's amazing, Justin. <laughs> uh, I will say, will say um, there are a lot of parts of the show that are very cheesy, but in a way that actually make me a little nostalgic for the older age of TV when dialogue could be a bit cringy and episodes felt like they were written for commercial breaks. Like, there are moments in this show that feel like they could cut to commercial. And Justin, you and I were talking about this offline, um, and there is an ad-supported version of Disney Plus coming in November. So I'm wondering if maybe they even wrote this series in response to the idea that, well, when people watch this in November, that's where those ads get popped in. I don't know. Wow, okay, that does answer one of the biggest questions I had for it because it wasn't making sense the yeah. way it was sort of cut and edited <laughs> and structured. Yeah, I hate that going forward. That might be a thing we get with shows like this on some of these platforms that are going to be introducing ads in the middle. I'm going to be paying that 12, 15, 20 bucks, whatever it is, so I don't have my shows broken up, <laughs> and yet the narrative is still going to yeah. feel a bit stinted by those things, so that's annoying. Um, mm -hmm. but I will agree that one of the things I struggled the most with was that you know, when the show was at its best, it was being spooky and, and quirky and fun. And I think it does get bogged down just a little by some t CW style teen drama. Um, oh, you know, yes. there's on. some darker yeah. themes and tones that they look at that I'm going, who is the real audience for this show? It's 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 kind of, it was a bit confusing at times. Um, they're kind of all over the map. One second it is very much for kids and families. The next it's it's a show written for kids, but with themes for adults. It, it's it was all over the map in yes. that sense. So I found it's that, all over the map. Yeah, that's why your note about it not being necessarily so scary. It's like it's not really really scary, but it's scary. Like for I PG, I think that like like PG means like eight. I think an eight year old watching the show would be a bit freaked out, especially in that first episode. Exactly. You know. Like, oh, dude! Mm -hmm. I was a little unsettled. <laughs> the first episode yeah. is is so tragic, right? And there's just yeah. there's such a fear that's instilled, and then as it evolves, you know, things are happening that are just like I was like, Whoo, right? Like I I had to watch them one at a time. I couldn't binge them because I was I'm a bit of a wuss. I got a little scared. You know what I mean? And I'm you had to turn the lights late. on. <laughs> no, I had I, I didn't watch them in broad daylight <laughs> with a window open. But you know, uh, I I definitely took my time with it. And um, to to the point of what you were saying before, like the idea of the show and the mystery that that's that's afoot, if you will, throughout these episodes. It's it's very intriguing and how they're able to incorporate all of these these uh, spooky elements from the book to kind of give more weight and resonance to each of the parts of the mystery. I think that's like that's really clever writing. I, I, I again just totally surprised at how well they were able to find a way to weave that in to something that still holistically feels original, if if that makes sense. Totally. Yeah. And I think I think the it's it's carried forward by this cast. I think mm -hmm. um, I will say like I, there's no one in the cast that just 
well, sorry, there's one person in the cast that really does stand out. But as far Justin as the Long. entirety of the, yeah, well, I'll get to him in one second. But <laughs> the characters, for the most part, are they 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 serve their purpose. I don't think there's anyone. The only character that sort of stood out a little bit to me that I wasn't feeling like I was like I don't believe you is uh, there's a character named Lucas, but he's meant to come off as kind of dull uh, for that purpose. So I guess it's purposeful. But yeah, dude, Justin Long. Like I think um I never realized that he's he's kind of becoming the like a horror staple these days between last year's Barbarian and House of Darkness like he's he's kind of getting and into Morris. the horror vibe and I like it a lot yeah and so like um he's having a blast here as Mr. Brat like he's goofy he's creepy in the best ways possible and his physical comedy I was I was surprised like he's on point with it um I'm enjoying his character probably the most out of anyone uh, yeah, I mean, you did miss one uh, horror staple of Justin Long's Drag Me to Hell, uh, obviously, oh, okay. which does, oh, yeah. again, mix that comedy and horror together, which is what we get here. And yeah, you mentioned his physical comedy. That was my number one note. Uh, there is just a sequence uh, that we won't go into, uh, but his physical acting is I was laughing out loud. He did it so well. Um, I'm so thrilled that he's in the show, and it wasn't just a brief cameo. I was kind of worried, like, let's yes. get a big name, pop him in for a quick scare, and move on to the kids. But no, he's he's really an integral part of the story, and the show is that much better for it. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Now, uh, we did mention that the, the show itself takes elements from these different stories and weaves them into a larger narrative. And I do think that it works at times better than it does others. Uh, I don't think it's a, a spoiler to sort of talk about the books that are featured in the show because they are featured already and listed on IMDb. You can go and see what the 10 episodes are named and what books they're inspired by. I will say that... The, their use of Haunted Mask, which is one of the first books in this series, I thought was really, really well done. Whereas one of the yeah, books really I cool. remember liking least was also one of my least favorite episodes, uh, Go Eat Worms. I didn't think that worked mm. in the full larger narrative even. Um, it just didn't resonate with me the same way. And that episode deals with some really heavy themes that kind of took me out of the larger story as well. Like I... As we mentioned, I liked how they're exploring these characters' pasts and you know why they are and who they are the way they are. But that was really dark and heavy for a show like this. And so, again, it's it's just finding that balance that I think they struggle a little with, but most of the time hit the the nail on the head. And uh, you know, I think you guys both mentioned it. The production value here, especially compared to that '90s iteration of this show, is so top notch and so much better than I really was expecting going into it. So. I think from top to bottom, between the acting and the writing and the production, the show is better than I certainly expected it to be. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I think, you know, where for me it feels like the things that I didn't that didn't work, and I think we kind of were talking about it, is that CW ness yep. of it. That sort of, I, I get it. We're not the audience that that they're that the the show is tailored for, so I understand that. Um, but I think at the same time, you know kind of being like maybe on the outside of that generation looking in you know there's a very smallville or even more more recently riverdale this is this has got riverdale all over it but where it exceeds riverdale is in those elements that we were talking about production value the scares the horror vibes of it are so much more elevated 
than Riverdale where it comes off cheap and a little cheesy and, and very goofy and childish where this is having fun while also really scaring you. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think, I think, yeah, those are definitely aspects that, that worked. I, for me, I, the first note that I wrote as I was reviewing this and, and writing down notes for the review is the dialogue isn't great. Um, I will, I will be the first to say, like, I, I do really appreciate the, <laughs> the modern language that characters are, are, you know, there's a character that refers to a situation as, you know, it's, it's getting very cishet up in here. Uh, or they'll say things like goaded. Uh, and I appreciate that. I think they, I think, for as far as some of the writing is concerned, they at times they they seem to know who, who the audience is that they're going after, uh, and I do appreciate that there's moments with these characters where they reference COVID. Uh, it's crazy to think that we're now in a a place where shows are are referencing that as our past. Um, it's just we're so used to getting out of our world going into these shows that are meant to sort of take us away, and and just to sort of hear that it was just it was interesting. That said. There are a ton of moments that come off as very cringy, like the people that are writing the show ask their kids or younger family members for words that they can use that that just don't fully fit in those situations. And I will say, I think my biggest problem with the show actually has to do with how even some of the adults in this show talk, because, again, I know that this is on Disney Plus and we're aiming for a younger audience. But but and this isn't a spoiler, but when you have two consenting adults where it's implied that they just had sex and one of them tells the other and I quote, I just had to wash my private parts with a mini bar of soap. I just I don't. It just feels so synthetic to me. It doesn't feel realistic in any way that adults would talk like that. I don't know. It just was like threw me off. Sure. But I I, I think that it was a very raw and real moment that feels very out of place for a show like this. I will give you that. But I don't know if this is for young kids as much sure. as it is for teen kids okay, like teenager have, kids that are we don't that are private old. parts i don't, I don't know it's it was person. a very mom it was a very mom thing to say <laughs> but i guess it's what what's the rating right i guess we have to play with well it i you have to you have to keep yeah. that in mind but like uh, like again like you know that like eight-year-old ten-year-olds are going to watch this right sure. but they're not the okay. ones that are targeted that are that, that are targeted for it it's, it's literally the people that are in high school grade nine you know what i mean and and onward you know that are going to watch this and then us you know, people of our age who grew up with go- goosebumps that mm-hmm. are going to do it. And and I think that, again, is another thing that I, I wish that it, it had a little bit more of is maybe something that recognized the audience that sort of kicked off goosebumps. You know, I think this is definitely tailored more to today's generation, which is fine. I understand it's it's adaptation. It's making something new. But, you know, we've we've talked about these these, you know, um, series that are rebooted or or they're uh, adapted from from other material. Th- there's a way that they sometimes recognize the audience that established them and a new audience. And I just feel like this is just for a new audience. It doesn't really really recognize recognize the 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 audience that kind of made Goosebumps what it was. Um, and I, that was my same problem with the movies. I thought that they were just way too child kid adventure style, like Night at the Museum, but with scariness. Um, and it just felt like it was a means to try to speak to a new audience without really giving any consideration to those kids from the 90s that grew up and that went to book fairs and, you know, collected all of the books and were enamored with the stories and were so committed to it. Like for us as fans, we're able to pull out 
from it what it is that's from the books and i guess i guess that's the part if that's what the writing was meant to do but i don't know there just there isn't enough at least in these five episodes to make it feel like they're also acknowledging my generation as an audience and and i'm not the selfish but no i think there's only so far that that uh, the titles of these episodes and some of the the little references that are there uh can pull us along okay. um i i will say just cuz we're on the topic of horror um, there is the tropey fun thing that characters do in horror shows and horror movies of like, oh, don't do that. Oh, you know, I wouldn't do that. Oh, th why are they making that decision? That's not the right decision. But there were a lot of times in the show where characters would make decisions that just felt so dumb and not in a way that was like fun. <laughs> if that makes sense. They, they make decisions that you're like, that just clearly is done for them to get themselves to a certain part in this story or for them to write this story a certain direction. And again, it just comes off as so, so forced and so synthetic at times where it just, I don't know, it, it, the pacing is weird and, and it just, it just, I, it doesn't work for me. And I think the biggest area that I found this to be was exactly kind of where you were getting at earlier, Kevin, the teen romance love triangle. Like, why can't these shows figure out that that doesn't work? Even in, even in the show Wednesday, where there was a love triangle, even Wednesday wasn't into that love triangle herself. <laughs> so like, you know, how do these shows get past that? Well, how do we get these shows? The, the fact that we have a show that's centered around high schoolers and yes, there's, there's light bullying and there's certain things, but for the most part, the main cast are all like nice to each other. That's a refreshing situation to have in these, in these shows with these characters that are these ages. Why do, why do they all have to be in love? Let's let's, we don't need that for every single one of these shows and it just feels like there's like a bylaw out there that forces these writers to say well if we don't have a love triangle somehow it's teens aren't going to watch i don't know a, it's not a bylaw it's it's definitely viewership data you have to think like when you look at shows like riverdale and and what draws attention in you know you have pubescent teens that are you know obviously <laughs> they're in their own love triangles yeah exactly right and they're like oh my god this is so much like my situation with adam and brody like they're just uh, you know i don't know anyways i'm just adam I'm, and what brody. Okay. I don't know I, I took i took one person and split them up into two people I appreciate it. um but anyways what, what i'm getting at though is that you're right they, they shouldn't have to feel prescribed to do it but that said we are three men that are obviously on the outside of this world looking at this and acknowledging that these shows don't need it but for the audience that it is for they might that might be their their draw do you know what i yeah, mean yeah i guess like you're you're not you're not a pubescent teen <laughs> yeah I, not maybe anymore, for the audience everything everything they watch is about the love triangle and it's just what theme is around it at the time given the 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 individual show and sure. you know kids okay. are Kids are adventurous and, and far more advanced at a younger age than we are. These kids are all know about, you know, washing their privates after intimate times. They all know all about this stuff. So, um, But I think we've reached the final chapter, and it's time for the signature twist ending. Today we won't be giving a traditional score on the show, but instead we'll be giving our final thoughts, as well as how much we'd recommend the show on a scale of one to five bumps on a goose. Nate, why don't you start us Pumps off? on a goose. 
Please, if it involves bumps on a goose, let's go. I'll be watching. He's got it. he's got bumps on his goose <laughs> right now, bro. Right After <laughs> he's gonna have to use a bar of soap to wash his privates <laughs> to get all those bumps off. Oh man, <laughs> I hope this. If you're listening to this review and that line sticks with you, I hope you get to that part in the in in the show and <laughs> it just provides a great laugh. Uh, okay, so yeah, I I would recommend it at uh, three point five uh, bumps on a goose. I think I I would say only though because it's October. Uh, if you sleep on this show and and you watch some other things instead, and it becomes November first, uh, no. you don't you don't need to watch it. You really don't. I'm just being honest. Like I I think like yeah. I think that the show is That's a good point. It's 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 slightly better than I expected it to be after the first episode. After that first episode, I was really low on it, and then I sort of stuck with it. And I will say, we've watched five episodes, and I do want to see the story con- conclude. So that's that's a that's a big deal for for a show that I'm kind of sitting at a sort of mid at. Um, I I think it's it's you know I'm it, it gets to, it gets me to that place, but I'm never immensely invested. Uh, it's a fun. Uh, spooky time it's a it's probably the best modern take uh on rl stein's uh material um so watch it to have some fun times with your family this halloween season but if you find something better to watch uh and you you know then you can you can pass on this maybe binge it next halloween if you if you really want to but yeah 3.5 bumps on a goose nice justin yourself that might be my favorite rating we've ever done by the way yeah it's it's awesome it's perfect (laughs) Um, yeah, I'm with you, Nate. Uh, this surprised me. They have me hooked with this mystery, um, which is dark um, and, and has sort of the right amount of scares to it. I, I think that the way that they're able to take R.L. Stein's material and lovingly put it into these in a way that enhanced the overall mystery is done in a really clever manner. But again, I know I'm not the target audience. So the sort of Gen Z sort of over the top, like as you said, Nate, like the forced dialogue that feels like it's more for that generation. It just just comes off as very synthetic and very, you know, contrived and there's a purpose and there's a specific audience in mind for this. So I feel like I'm on the outside watching it and it kind of ties back into what I was saying before. I just I don't know if there's enough here for 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 our generation that really outside of just acknowledging the books and the titles if if that's the cool way that we get to stay connected to it for sure but you know you're absolutely right this is the perfect time to watch it if it's november 1st do not watch this uh, <laughs> i mean you know, it's going to november like it it's, will it's it will yeah. wrap up uh, november 17th is what i just looked up but like yeah. then you're already if in you're already, you're already in, in. Okay. but don't sure. if you're if it's november 1st <laughs> and you've even started it don't worry yeah. about it. You're just good. wait till just wait wait till Halloween to binge it. But you know, we talk about episodic versus uh, you know one dump, if you will. So <laughs> I, I do think that this this yeah. series would have probably benefited from the one dump mentality. Um, and and I get it. There's going to be some mystery and some draw as they sort of pull out these episodes. But you know, again, it's Halloween. You know, get people sinking in and talking about it. It kind of has its own, not on the same level, but Stranger Things vibes. And I think that's why the production value is so amped up is because people like in that generation that they're probably wanting to tap into are watching shows like Stranger Things. So they can go a little darker. They can go a little more with it. Um, So, yeah, that said, I'm with you. 3.5 out of 5 bumps on a goose of of recommendation i i think it, if you if you can sure watch it uh, maybe it was you know because i was such a big fan of the books that i was hit a bit more with nostalgia and it might even just come from the episode uh titles and that 
uh, intro card featuring the goosebumps, yeah. that old classic font that uh, you could rub your finger over it on the front page of the book and feel the bumps. Like with a bar of this, soap. This brought yeah. me, you feel the bumps. This, yeah, <laughs> yeah. but this brought me back <laughs> to that feeling. Uh, you know, I was so glad to see it wasn't just a creature of the week anthology show. And instead, took elements mm-hmm. from some of those original stories and weave them into a larger narrative. It is a little confusing in that it seems a little bit caught in the middle in terms of the audience it's made for. It might be a little kiddish for people our age who grew up with the books, but then still too mature or scary for our kids. And so it does sort of target, like you said earlier, Nate, that Gen Z and the dialogue and the characters are all very much structured to represent today's teenage kid and that might miss the mark a little on who this show could have been made for that said though like we we briefly talked about it still resonated and was better overall in my opinion than the two movies featuring jack black from 2015 and 2018 in that it wasn't so kiddish the only thing i'm disappointed to see is coming up we're gonna get slappy who's my least favorite goosebumps anything ever and he's featured in everything he had like four episodes in the original show he was in both of the movies and i think he might he might uh play a part in this show coming up and so that always makes i'm like it's a ventriloquist dummy it's not scary jesus um (laughs) but that didn't take away from my overall enjoyment uh i got in reliving one of my favorite book series growing up in fact if anything it's made me upset that i sold uh, at a garage sale years and years ago, my complete 62 book collection. Why? I've even Why looked it? into. I know. I've even looked into purchasing a full set of the original print, so I get those classic covers I love. I'd love to give them to my daughter in like six or seven years when she's starting to read full size books, just so she could relive some of those fun adventures that I had growing up. Uh, you know, but like we said, the performances are all serviceable, uh, especially from the adult cast. Uh, but even the young actors, and they've all high, they've, they're all like in their mid to late 20s, but look almost <laughs> young enough to be high school. So I think sure. that maybe got a bit better performances out of them than your typical teenage cast, especially when they're working with some of the dialogue and moments they have to work with. I think they pull it off a bit better mm-hmm. than you see in this type of show. Uh, I found the sh- I found the tone to be quite spooky, and the mystery surrounding the characters and their past actions and motivations have me intrigued enough to find out how it all ends. Uh, you know, so overall, whether for fans of the original book series uh, or you know, uh, you know, looking to relive their childhood, or for new fans looking for some October spooks, I'm I'm I I'm at a four out of five. Uh, bumps on a goose in terms of recommending this show. But again, that might be my rose-tinted nostalgic glasses. So uh, once again, <laughs> listener, beware. Uh, but that is it for this review of the <laughs> Disney Plus and Hulu show Goosebumps. Screaming, I mean streaming, on Friday, October 13th. Thank you for joining us. Hopefully it didn't feel like a day at Horrorland. If you enjoyed the program, be sure to subscribe to us wherever you listen to podcasts, if you haven't already. Once again, a huge thanks to our friends at Disney Studios Canada for the early screening so we could get this review to you ahead of its release and let you know if the first five episodes were spooktacular or if they had us saying, you can't scare me. We can't wait to hear your thoughts on this new take on the classic kids horror series. Or maybe you just want to write in and see if you can correctly guess how many Goosebump titles I snuck into this episode. Some were seamless, some were a little janky. Uh, 
as always, <laughs> you can write in to wearegeekcentric at gmail.com. That's wearegeekcentric at gmail.com. Or if that's a bit too much like a cloudy day at Ghost Beach and you're more of the shocker on Shock Street type, hit us up on our socials. Justin, where can they do that? Well, they can reach us on the app formerly known as Twitter at GeekcentricYT or on Instagram at WeAreGeekcentric. And we are done with the hot geek summer and are now moving into one of the most fun times of the year, the spooky fall season. We recently wrapped our watch club for Ahsoka and are gearing up to have a mini watch club for Loki starting with episode four. But in the meantime, check out our spoiler-free review for the first four episodes and find out which episode we're most excited for fans to see. Speaking of spoiler-free reviews, check out our thoughts on The Creator and on Expendables 4. We definitely liked one a lot more than the other. Uh, there's a ton of great content on the ways we slowly creep towards the award season, so be sure to keep an eye out for those. But if you just can't get enough of our geeky content, check out the amazing array of interviews we've had the fortune of conducting this year with some of our favorite actors, writers, directors, and showrunners. Those can be found wherever you listen to podcasts or on our YouTube channel at youtube.com geekcentric. Until next time, thanks for listening, and as we say... Love ya. Get home safe, guys. Peace.